God to do something wonderful in our lives. We have gathered together tonight for this holy convocation, according to scripture, to hear the sound of the shofar. What is the purpose of hearing the sound of the shofar and what will it accomplish in our lives? Will it be meaningful or just a religious tradition in which we merely go through the requirements outlined for us by generations past? The service will build to its climax as we hear the sound of the shofar. We are given many reasons for the shofar, yet there seems to be a mystery hidden within the haunting sound of the teruah. I'm going to read again our text that commands us in, to come together as a community. It says, Adonai said to Moshe, tell the people of Israel in the seventh month, the first of the month is to be for you a day of complete rest for remembering. A holy convocation announced with blasts on the shofar. Do not do any kind of ordinary work and bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. In this verse, we're told that this Shabbaton is a day for remembrance, right? However, the text does not specifically tell us what we are to remember. With that said, the context of this passage and its placement within Scripture gives us insight as to what our thoughts and hearts should be reflecting upon during this solemn day. The teruah is meant to cause each of us to remember. Zachor. That's what we're told to do, to remember. Zachor. What do we remember? Well, we remember that the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, is drawing near. With the sounding of the shofar, we officially enter into the Yamim Hanorim, the days of awe. For the next 10 days, we examine and prepare our hearts. Why do we do it? Because it is a moed, an appointed time, an appointed season that God has written in his calendar that his people would take time to examine their hearts, adjust their ways. That's a significant thing. The God of the universe has this written in his calendar. That for his community, we would take this season to do a little internal examination of how we're doing in our heart of hearts. We're also to remember our spiritual priorities. Rambam says this, he states, the shofar is an alarm that awakens us from our spiritual slumber, calling us to examine our deeds and correct our ways as we return to God. So when we hear that sounding, that teruah, that haunting sound, we are meant to be awakened from our slumber, our spiritual slumber, to examine our deeds and to make some adjustments. Listen, it is likely that each of us are in need of a spiritual wake-up call 
in some area of our life. When we hear the shofar sound, may our hearts revive and turn toward God. Fred, don't think that we're here and we need no adjustment. I need adjusting. You need adjusting. And God has this appointed time that we would hear and have an ear to hear what the Ruach would tell us as to which of our ways that he would amend or have us amend. It's a time for remembering. What are we to remember? We're to remember our need for contrition. What's contrition? Let's define it. Sorrow for and a detestation of sin with the true purpose of amendment arising from our love for God. A detestation of sin. That's pretty powerful words because we're leading up to what day? Yom Kippur. And guess what? If we don't hate the sin that so easily, says the Brit Chadesha, so easily tries to entangle us. Friend, if you're human, wave at me because sin, thing, I have a lot of humans here. That's good to know. <laughs> that if you're human, sin is always trying to entangle us. And so this season of contrition, where we seek to amend our ways from deep within us to cast off sin and detest it, because let me tell you, the results of sin, the effects of sin are destructive to each of us. Genuine repentance goes deep into the core of our being and always involves a turning away from sin and bad habits and returning to God. Always. Where's my water? What else do we remember? We remember the Torah. As the scriptures are life, to all our flesh. As Mashiach reminded us when he said this, he said, man cannot live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man cannot live just by physical sustenance only, but he can live from the word of God. I cannot tell you how many people have been walking with the Lord many, 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 many years tell me that they do not have daily, regular times that they spend in the Word of God. Friend, let me tell you, I don't know about you, can I only speak about this rabbi right here? Today, I woke up, I had breakfast. It was delicious. It fueled me. I went to that and I started to study like a good rabbi. But let me tell you, I blew by lunch. Not typical, but I blew by lunch. And by about 2.30, I was really hungry. Matter of fact, by 3 o'clock, I started to get a little hangry. You know what I'm saying? And that's just a few hours. When we fast, right? One day on Yom Kippur, oh my goodness, it's like the end of the earth. 
We fasted a whole day, a rabbi. I went a whole day with no food. I can't wait to break the fast. We need sustenance. But the Bible says that we need the word of God just as badly as physical sustenance and even more so. And yet, for some, that we can go one and two and three and four days without taking in the nourishment of the word of God. I want to tell you, when we hear the shofar, we should hear the, our return to Torah, our return to scripture. Friends, you will feel 100 times better when you take in that daily dose of the word of God. Your spirit will be uplifted. You'll be more victorious. You're able to, to smooth out some of those valleys and you'll be able to coast through life. Not, you know, not free of, uh, you know, the foibles that come our way, but certainly in victory. And it happens when we're well fed. We are just ready to take on the day that is true naturally and it's equally as true spiritually. The shofar, where's the shofar? Miles, help me out. Thank you, but bring it up. I want that, I want that shofar. Right on cue, huh? Thanks. Listen, look at this shofar. <clears throat> you can hold it up for me. The shofar is the instrument of choice as it reminds us of the akidah. Realize that this was attached to an animal. that got caught in the thicket. And this animal reminds us of the Akidah, the binding of Yitzhak when God provided the ram caught in the thicket in place of Abraham's one and only son. So the shofar calls out to us with this mighty imagery. calls out to us to remind us of that ram. In the Akidah, we remember how God provided a way, a substitute, if you will, for the sake of his servant Abraham. We too are in need of a sacrifice, a substitute for our sins. And so we remember the faithfulness of our God who provides the substitute. In his article, 11 Reasons Why We Blow the Shofar on Rosh Hashanah, Mordecai Lightstone mentions the Mashiach four times out of the 11. We too consider the Messiah. As we remember the destruction of the temple, and though it was destroyed and remains no longer, God in his faithfulness, sent the Messiah just in time in order to provide a way of redemption. In the same article, Mordecai Lightstone writes that the shofar is to signal the return of the king. I love the way he put that, because usually it's put it's to you know, reflect the kingship of God, which it does. But the return of the king, it sounds like a movie. 
It signals the return of the king. On Rosh Hashanah, the anniversary of creation, God renews the creative energy that sustains our world. Once more, he is crowned as king of the universe. Just as trumpets are sounded at a coronation of an earthly king, the shofar announces God's continued kingship over the world and over our lives. He is king of kings and lord of lords. When we hear the sound of the shofar, perhaps there's an area of your life and my life that perhaps we've taken over kingship. Perhaps he is not lord of that area. As we hear the sound of the shofar, it calls us to make him king over every area of our life. Listen to what it says in the Brit Chadashah, in the New Covenant. It says, I'm reading from Matthew chapter 24, verses 30 and 31. Listen to what it says. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. All the tribes of the land will mourn. A clear reference to Zechariah chapter 12. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with tremendous power and glory. A reference to Daniel 7. He will send out his angels with, with the great shofar, Isaiah 27. And they will gather together his chosen people from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other, Ezekiel 36. When we hear the shofar, we remember Messiah is the soon returning king. We're not only called to remember, we're also called to bring the offering. Like all of the Moedim, the biblical feast, Rosh Hashanah requires a sacrifice. So the connection between the binding of Yitzhak and Abraham's willingness to offer his only son is meant to remind us of this requirement. He told us, we just read it, do not do any kind of ordinary work and bring an offering made by fire to Adonai, right? Go, I'm going to take you to Bereshit chapter 22. This is the Yaqidah story. Look what it says. Yitzhak spoke to Abraham, his father. He said, my father. He answered, here am I, my son. He said, I see the fire. And I see the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Where is, not the ram. He said, where is the lamb? the burnt offering. Where is it? What is a biblical feast day without a sacrifice? It is merely a man-made religious prescription to pacify the conscience. In reality, it is 
no divine power to actually deliver in bringing the worshiper closer to God. See, the imagery of the shofar, the story in Genesis 22, the binding of Yitzhak, are at the center of Rosh Hashanah for a reason. One commentator writes this, as mentioned in Bereshit 22, the Akidah, when Abraham was going to offer his son Isaac, in response to Isaac's question about the lamb for the burnt offering, where's the lamb, dad, where's the lamb? He said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Did he not say that? He said, God will provide a lamb. Not God will provide a ram. God will provide Here we are introduced with the concept of substitutionary sacrifice, and this is typology of how Adonai would offer his only son, the Messiah, 1,800 years later. In my previous point, I said we remember the faithfulness of our God, right, who provides the substitute. Well, before you say, eh, Rabbi, what's all this? with the sacrifice and the substitute and the substitute and the sacrifice. I came for a nice Rosh Hashanah, had a nice dinner with the family, and you're talking about the sacrifice. and you're, ah, What is that? Well, it's a good question. <laughs> Let me answer it. Before you say that, answer this question then. Why do we spend this solemn day every single year focused on this very narrative of the Akidah that is 3,800 years old, if it's not important. Every year, we remember the Akidah 3,800 years old. It must be pretty important. The answer is simple because it's still relevant. And so it is this substitute of whom the prophet speaks when he says this. Now listen. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He, the Messiah, was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Baruch Hashem. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth, but he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken, a burnt offering, a lamb. Father, where's the lamb? the burnt offering the prophet tells us 
The sages understood Isaiah's prophecy as looking back to the Akidah for its analogy, but then applying it forward as typology to a future event, claiming thus that our rabbis with one voice, say that, one voice, accept and affirm the opinion that this prophet Isaiah is speaking of King Messiah, the return of the king. Rabbi Elia Davidus proposed this, the meaning of he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, is that since the Messiah bears our iniquities, which produce the effect of him being bruised, it follows that whoso will not admit that the Messiah thus suffers for our iniquities must endure and suffer them for themselves. One scholar writes this, that the land of Moriah, this is interesting, is confirmed in scripture as the area in which the temple was later to be located. Everyone knows that, every Jewish person knows that. The name Moriah was linked by the sages to the word temurah, meaning what? Substitute or exchange. Thus, it is generally acknowledged, had it not been for this substitute that God provided in place of Abraham's son, Isaac would have never had offspring, nor could the covenant and the promises have been fulfilled. I'm almost done, so hear me. So what do we see in this Akidah? We have a clue left for us by God. It's a mystery. To help us recognize what would happen in the future, that God himself would provide the lamb that he promised to Abraham. Because do you know, one thing I've learned about God, he always keeps his promise, right? But he's never in a rush to do it. And that would take God 3,800 years. Well, not 3,800, 1,800 years, excuse me. And it would take 1,800 years to fulfill that promise. Shouldn't surprise us. God himself would provide the lamb that he promised Abraham. His only son to provide deliverance for our Jewish people and the nations. For God so loved the world that he gave his only and unique son. So that everyone who trusts in him may have eternal life. Instead of being utterly destroyed. Hear this. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world. No. He sent his son into the world to save the world. Jew first, also the nations. Hear that. The Son came to save. So just like the ram saved Yitzhak, the lamb saves us. Just like the ram saved Yitzhak, the lamb.
So what have we learned? Perhaps that God revealed a mystery to us through the Akidah, the mystery of Messiah, the Lamb of God, the burnt offering, the substitute, the sacrifice. But remember what the rabbis said. They said, if we don't acknowledge, I didn't say this, by the way, the rabbis said it, that if we don't acknowledge that the prophet was speaking about Mashiach, that he bore our sins, and if we don't acknowledge that and accept that, then we have to handle our sins on our own. That's why the prophet started out that chapter with, who has believed this report? My question is, do you believe this report? In the Brit Chadashah, the book called the Apocalypse, there's a lot of apocalyptic writing in the Tanakh and in the Brit Chadashah. And it says this, the seventh angel sounded his shofar and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah. And he will rule forever and ever. The question is tonight, will he rule and reign in our hearts? That's the question. There is no question that he will rule and reign forever. But the important question is, when you hear the sound of the shofar, Will you rule and reign in your heart? Will you believe the report of the prophet? Will you embrace the substitute that God has given for you? The lamb that he promised Abraham, that he fulfilled the Messiah. Well, just bow your heart and say, just say a prayer with me if you want to embrace him. Hey, I can tell you this, my name, and my family, we're going to be in that book of life. <laughs> no question about that. You want to know why? Because we believe. We believe. The question is, are you going to be written in the book of life? God made it so easy for us. He did everything just like he did for Abraham. Abraham, go obey and I'll provide the ram. Israel, obey and I'll provide the substitute, the lamb. All we do is believe. And all you have to do is say in your heart, you can say it, Abba, Father God, I believe the testimony of the prophet. And Father, I believe that Yeshua is Mashiach, my substitute. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I'll live for you all my days. In Yeshua's name. It all starts with believing. This God is a faithful God. What he promises, he fulfills. And we have seen and unraveled a mystery that not every Jewish person knows, not every Gentile person knows, but God has clearly revealed it to us in the scripture. To that I say, Baruch Hashem, Shana Tova. God bless you. We're going to continue on with our service.
Um, we're going to ask the team to come back up, and we're going to recite the Lenu prayer, and then Kaddish.